Okay, who's up for a message? You know, I want to encourage you even now just, just to raise your faith a little bit. Because we're in, in the middle of a series, and I'll explain it in a moment. But I believe for every one of you, you're going to leave different to the way you come in. I believe for every one of you, God's got a great plan for you, and today will be a significant one for you. I'm just believing if you will press in and say, God, just speak to me, then he will. So turn to three people and say, this is your day. Father God, we just commit this moment in our meeting to you. Lord, speak to us clearly, I pray. Have your way in us. Lord, we choose right now, and come on church, let's agree here, we choose right now to cast aside all of our cares and give you our full attention. To open our ears and say, Lord, I'm willing. Let it be a special time, I pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said. So uh, we're in this middle of this series, and this is part two of a series I'm calling... I'll have a cup of that, because that's just a great title, isn't it? So this is part two. So this is I'll have a cup of that, part two, deliverance. Now, this could go in all kinds of directions. I appreciate with a title like that, but it would be cool. Uh, I want to just explain to you, I don't know what's going on with me. Can you turn the, the foldbacks right, either off or down? Um, I'll explain to you, that this, is, this is about four cups of Passover. Give me a wave if you know what Passover is. It's interesting because I feel like, again, we're talking about foundations, some of the basics. I've been in church 40-odd years, and so I know these things, but I want to assume that people don't know these things. So Passover is when um, uh, the Israelite people are in captivity uh, to the Egyptians, and Moses gets sent in and goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and then a whole lot of plagues come, and a whole lot of hassle goes, and Pharaoh's staying his ground, and Moses goes back in. And then God says to Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a spotless lamb and over every household put the blood of a spotless lamb across the lentils, across the, the, the frame of the door. And tonight I'm going to send in the angel of death. And the angel of death will come in and will take the oldest born son, the first born son of every family. But if the angel of death sees the blood of the spotless lamb on the door frame, he will pass over. So you'll be saved. And so the whole idea of Passover is exactly that, that death passes over. And that's where it came from. And so we now know, don't we, that Jesus is our once and for all, all-time spotless lamb. And when you commit to Jesus and invite him into your heart, in effect, it's like the blood of Jesus covers you and death passes over you. Who knows, death's lost its sting for a Christian person because it passes over you. And although our natural body dies, our inner person, our soul, our, the very essence of you goes to live with the Father in heaven for eternity and gets a new body. And I believe it's going to be a good body. But death passes over. There's not much excitement in the room, bearing in mind that is our eternity. Do you know what I mean? Come on, people. So what we don't understand, I think, in our culture is that when you look back at some of the Jewish feasts, bear in mind Jesus was a Jew, it's actually very helpful to understand what they do and why they do it because it's applicable for us today. So we celebrate communion. We all know communion, yeah, yeah? And so Jesus was at a Passover feast when he instigated the communion. He would have been having the third cup because the Jewish people just do things better than us. We have communion and have a little thimble. They had four cups of wine. I want to be at that feast. They just know how to do it. And so Jesus is at the table, and at the third cup, which is the cup of redemption, which we'll talk about next time round, he says, drink this cup and remember me. This is my blood. 
sacrificed for you. It's that this, this is where we get it from. But when you go back and study and look at why was there four cups, it's actually very, very helpful and absolutely brilliant. So the four cups I've put here just as a little cool thing. So the first cup is the cup of sanctification. Turn to the person next to you and say, cup of sanctification. I talked about that last time round. If you're interested, and I encourage you, if you missed it, you can go onto our website or you can go onto the podcast app and find it there. If you go onto the podcast app and type in Kessid Church Podcast, you will find two feeds because we let the old feed go and a new feed has started. So if you can't find it on the feed, you need to get rid of that one and try the other one because there's a new one. And you'll find it on there. It's up and it's running and it's good. Um, so it was the cup of sanctification. And... Long story short, sanctification means to be set aside for a purpose. To be set aside for a purpose. And so we talked about that last time, and I encourage you to go and, and have a look at it. But then the, the rest of the cups go like this. So you've got the cup of sanctification. You've got the cup of deliverance, which we will talk about today. Then you have the cup of redemption, which is the one Jesus used when he said, remember me. And then you have the cup of acceptance. Some people call it the cup of praise. But there are four cups of Passover feast, and they're so significant when you start understanding what they are. So are we up for this? Yes. The second cup of deliverance, picture the scene. The uh, Israelite people have been in captivity for 400 years. That's about 20 generations, 400 years they've been in captivity. They're conditioned to it. They know no different. I mean, that 20, that's, that's not your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents, 20 times. They don't know. They've been born into it. It's all they've ever known. They've lived in captivity and bondage. They were treated as slaves and they were forced to work. Every single day, forced to work, make bricks, start earlier, do more, work with less. It was relentless. And the next day it started again as if it hadn't happened the day before. It just went on and on and make more bricks and make more bricks. And you're not working hard enough and they're getting too many. Let's make it even harder. It was relentless. They weren't just in captivity. They were slaves. Do you see what's happening here? But this is where it's so cool because God came in and said four I wills, four promises to people living in this situation, which is where we get the four cups from. I'll show you the verses in Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Therefore, this is God speaking to Moses, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the, the Egyptians. The cup of sanctification, I will bring you out. I will free you from being slaves to them. The cup of deliverance, the second cup. And I will redeem you with my outstretched arm, the cup of redemption, the third cup. And my mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, the cup of acceptance. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the, under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now picture this scene now. You have got a nation that has been in captivity for 400 years. They don't know any different, but they know it's horrendous. Every day getting up to just be driven and the whip cracked at them and do more and don't let up and keep going and keep going and keep going. Go home shattered and get up and do it again and do it again. And they've got no hope. It's been going on so long they've lost all hope. And then God steps in and says, I'll bring you out. I will set you free. I will redeem you and I'll make you mine. Suddenly there's some hope. Suddenly there's dreams again. Suddenly there's like, 
God's going to do something. Imagine your faith stirring if you're in that position. God says, I will. And this is what I love about our faith. So often in faith, you can look at around the world, it's about what you do. But in the Christian faith, it's about what God's already done. It's about what God will do for you and through you. And it just takes off the pressure that I've got to do a load of stuff. Yes, we get to respond to what he's done. But we don't have to do something to get there because he loves you. Every day, the slave drivers would be saying, submit to my orders, submit to my orders. And they just didn't know any other way. They, both, they wanted something else, but they didn't know how to get there. In essence, this is what the slave drivers are saying. I may not be your God, but you'll do what I want you to do. And I just think so appropriate. God says, I will set you free. And suddenly there's some hope in the room. Suddenly there's some, come on, we could do something there. And it interests me that God says, I will bring you out and I will set you free. Because the way I read that with my very simple mind, it's not the, is that the same thing? I'm going to bring you out, well, well, now I'm free. But then he says, having brought you out, I'm going to set you free. And here's the thing. The Israelite people came out of the yoke of the Egyptians, but they didn't know how to live free. So they were out, but not free. For 400 years, they'd known nothing else. They didn't know how to live. And that is why you will find 613 laws. Because they didn't know how to be free. They only knew how to follow orders. And so they had to be positioned. God wasn't being unkind setting up all these rules. He was helping them to step towards a freedom. Because deliverance isn't a one-off thing. It's a continual motion. And so he says, you can't live free because you just don't know how to. So I'm going to get you out of the yoke and the bondage of it all. You're now not under that. But you're also not yet free. And so I'm going to train you and teach you and help you to become free because that's always been my heart for you. So you can be out of the yoke and still not free. It's interesting, isn't it? They came out and if you know the story and follow it, they go across and there's amazing miracles and the water opens up and they walk through on dry land. I don't know about where you sit, but if I walk through water, a sea, and it's poured up there and poured up there, that's going to change my world. I think I might remember that. Anyone with me right there? Yeah. You know, you walk through and drop. That's going to make me feel like God really is up to something here. He loves me. And, and they're walking through and that. They get to the other side, literally days, grumbling. Oh, I've got no foot. Might as well go back. Well, at least we were fed back there. It's just like they don't know how to live free. Yeah. And they were struggling with it. So they start grumbling and moaning and getting on it. So it's like, oh, shut up. Let's be free. It interests me that, according to stats on Wiki, almost half of people who spend three years in jail, when they're released, re-offend and end up back in jail. Because they're out of jail, but they don't know how to be free. And they end up back there. Tongue-in-cheek comment here. You can take the girl out of Essex, <laughs> but you can't take the Essex out of the girl. Woohoo! <laughs> Do you see? No, no, that's, just maybe edit that bit out. <laughs> but you get what I'm trying to say. Can you see the difference between being in bondage and captivity and being free? They're not the same thing. Do you get it? And that's what's happening here. Now, understanding this second cup of deliverance becomes helpful to us today. You see, there's two kingdoms, two spiritual kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of this world. And we're in one of them. 
Spiritually speaking, you're in one. There isn't a middle ground. You're either in the kingdom of heaven or you're in the kingdom of this world. You're in one or the other. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. However you want to, to, to talk about it, you're in one. Now, Jesus says, when you commit to me, you are sanctified. You are brought out of one kingdom and set apart for a purpose. And your purpose for all of us is to live out life with the king, the king of the kingdom. Within that, we all have our separate purposes, which relate to our giftings and our dreams and our hopes. But all of us are set apart from this kingdom into this kingdom to live with the king. Sanctified, set apart for purpose. When you enter this kingdom, you're not in this kingdom anymore, but are you free? I believe there are a whole stack of Christians, there are a whole stack of people in this room, possibly even everyone in this room, who are living in the kingdom, but not yet living free. Do you see? And they're two separate things, and that's why the cup of deliverance is so, so special and so, so important to you right now. Today, you can be spiritually committed to following Jesus, living for God, and yet still acting like slaves to old habits and behaviors. So you're free from oppression, but not free from the slave driver. I want you to do this. You're going to think this way. You're going to say this. You're going to react like this. You're in the kingdom of heaven, but you're not living free because the slave driver is still saying, I might not be your God, but I'm going to tell you what to do. But the second cup of deliverance says, God says, I will set you free. And I want to see people living free. I want to see you living free. I want to see you in the kingdom, but I want to see you in the kingdom living free because when you live free, you can step into the promises of God. But all the while, you're actually still slaves to old thought processes and slaves to old behaviors. You're in the kingdom, but you're not living free. Can you see the difference? And this is for everyone. Deliverance is the process of God setting you free from the effects of your past, which hinder your future. And so many people encounter Jesus, encounter the church, get involved, get excited, and step into a new kingdom. And the kingdom is great because when you enter the kingdom, sanctification positions your eternity. When you commit to Jesus, you're in heaven forever. Done deal. But the second cup of deliverance determines the quality of your life now. So you could be going to heaven, yet still bound up with a whole bunch of stuff. Yet deliverance sets you free now to live the best life now while looking forward to eternity. Do you get it? Jesus always wanted you to have the best life now. So often I think we make the big deal going to heaven, and of course that is the biggest deal, but who knows, we're going to live on this earth for 80, 90, 100 years, but life's getting longer, isn't it? Because we're that healthy, (laughs) apart from the breakfast that Robin's having. (laughs) But you see, Jesus was about you having the best life now. So how about this cup of deliverance? I'll have a cup of that. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'll have a cup of that. Let's unpack it a little bit. Romans 7, verses 21 through 25. This is Paul writing a letter to the church in Rome. This is what he says. So I find this law at work, Paul writing, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Does anyone know what he's talking about? Oh, no, we're too holy, aren't we? Sorry, it's just me. (laughs) For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I want to do what God says. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the Lord of sin at work within me. It's important, that bit about the mind. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me. Yes. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Is that all of it? Here's what's happening here. This is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Now he's up there with Christians. He's got it down. He knows his stuff. He's influenced the whole world and is still influencing the whole world. He's epic. Even he says, I'm in the kingdom. I'm going for God. But, but I've got this wrestle. And the wrestle is going on here. I want to live right, but I keep stuffing it up. And I'm hacking my own self off. Anyone lived there before? Yeah. Oh, just me again. <laughs> the Israelites were out of Egypt but they were still thinking like slaves. And because they were thinking like slaves, they were acting like slaves. And because they acted like slaves, they experienced the life as a slave. And God says, I will set you free. Because I don't want you to live like slaves anymore. I don't want you to experience life like slaves. I want you to stop thinking like that. And it's a process. Even Paul was wrestling with it. So if you're relating to any of this stuff, don't feel like you're the worst Christian in history because Paul's right up there. And he wrestled with it. So I hope you feel a bit of like, oh, I'm not the worst Christian after all. Because actually you're epic. But there's a war in our thought processes, which although we're living in the kingdom of God, is still uh, attacked by the kingdom of this world. Because we're in the world. And who knows, it just keeps, it's just there and it's just pulling us and it's just talking to us. But the slave driver says, you're going to do this. You're going to think like that. You're going to do like that. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm setting you free from that. So if you're someone who wrestles with this stuff, today's your day. Today's a new day for you. Today's the day you get freedom. Today's the day you stop thinking that way and start thinking like Jesus. Today's the day you step into that lifestyle. One person on the front's excited about it. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do you see how I've unpacked that? And now that means a whole lot more. Jesus wants you free. He wants you to run in life. I love the way the message version puts it. He wants you to explore the open wide spaces of his grace. I think so many people think Jesus is about hemming you in and making your life small. But when you read the Bible, everywhere it says about making your life bigger. He wants you to run free. He wants you to use your talents. He wants you to dream big. He wants you to love some people. He wants you to be generous. He wants you to open your life and welcome people in. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you just as you are. And you haven't got to conform to be some weirdo. Let's it be you. God made you. But what happens is we find ourselves conforming to the pattern of this world, which actually brings smallness. And then we wonder why we're not free. And Jesus says, you're in the kingdom now. You're sanctified. You've drunk the first cup. But the second cup is about delivering you from that thought process, which enables you to actually step into my promises. It was, how good are these cups? You see, when we do communion, we don't think of this stuff, do we? Next time, how good is communion going to be? <laughs> Jesus came that you'd live free now. Deliverance isn't just for people who have demonic oppression. Because that's where we go when we talk about the word deliverance, isn't it? And people's eyes rolling back and rolling on the floor screaming and all that kind of stuff. And you've probably seen some of it. But you know what? Deliverance is for people who aren't yet experiencing the fullness of Christ. Because he wants you to. And it's, the issue isn't with him. The issue is with us. And when we can change the way we think, change the way we respond, change the way we live, 
freedom comes. Is anyone familiar with a guy called Chris Ballaton? He's one of the key guys at Bethel Church in Reading, just a phenomenal church, world-famous church, and really moving in the Holy Spirit. And he just put something out on social media this week, and I just thought I'd share it with you up here. <coughs> it says this, behavior modification is not transformation. If you want to transform your life, then you must change how you think first. You know, you can try and be someone different, but unless you're thinking different, you'll soon slip back. And yet, it's so true because Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you're thinking. Start thinking on Christ. Start thinking on the way he taught us to live. And when you start thinking like that, you'll start living like that, and then you'll experience that. And it's so simple, yet we make it so hard. So I wanted to just very quickly look at three areas of life where I feel like lots of us might struggle. Um, And the first area is this, it's rejection. For me, I've been in leading a church for 13 years now and I, and I did other ministries, youth ministries and led home groups and stuff for many, many years before that. The most common area people wrestle with is rejection. The most common. You know, I don't know how many people are in this room but most people in this room have either experienced it. Anyone had a partner walk out on them? Yeah, it's rejection. Anyone had, and don't wave at this one particularly, anyone had parents who pushed you away and weren't there for you, mistreated you? It's rejection. Yeah, anyone thought you were going to get in the sports team and you played really well and the last minute they cut you? It's rejection. Anyone been in a friendship group and suddenly you're not flavor of the month anymore and they walk away and we've all experienced it, one way or another. The difference is, do you experience it and know who you are in Christ and walk forward or does it get in you? And unfortunately for too many people, it gets in us. And then what happens is this. We start thinking through the process of the slave driver that is rejection. They'll never like you. Don't speak up. Don't go and ask them to be your friend. It's the slave driver saying, you, I might not be your God, but you're going to do what I want you to do. You're not going to be accepted. They won't like you. In fact, you're rubbish. And before you know it, you start thinking you're rubbish, and so you start living life like you're rubbish, and you experience life as rubbish. Why? Because there's a slave driver in your life that shouldn't be there. And God said, I will set you free. You see, the trouble is we get this stuff, don't we? We get it. And my encouragement to you is this. There will come times in the future where you get rejected again. It will happen. Maybe your partner cheats on you. Awful things like rejection. The person you opened up to most. The person you were sharing life with most. It's a huge rejection. Now, you might experience that, and you might have a moment in life where there's some grief and there's some pulling yourself around, but do not let it get in you. Be transformed by how you think. Still keep your mind focused on Christ. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are whole. You are beautiful. You are awesome. You are full of hope and dreams, and he loves you. Keep your eyes. Think on what is good and lovely, yeah? These kind of scriptures are true for this situation. The trouble is we've rejected people, and I've seen it so many times, is they tend to react in two different ways. Rejected people either withdraw and don't put themselves forward and and clam up and are quiet and don't want to be a hassle to everyone, and yet they're the loveliest people. But you never see the best of them because somewhere along the line they experienced rejection and it got in them. And so now they start thinking through that thought process. There's a slave driver in their mind that is saying, they won't like you. So they shrink back. And you probably know people who do this. Maybe you do this. And you look at them, you're you're amazing. Why don't you share what you're gifting? Why don't you come forward? Oh, oh, no, no, no. It's rejection in their mind. 
It's the slave driver stopping them from being free. And yet God says, I will do it. It's not about what you've got to do. I will do it. The other way I think some people who experience rejection is, is the opposite of that. They become loud and brash and in your face. And so I've been rejected before, so you're not going to reject me now because you'll never get to the closest to me because I'm keeping you out here and I'm going to be loud and I'm going to dominate situations. I'm going to talk the loudest. And I'm not going to listen to your opinion. And, and uh, everything, I, I'm dictating now. And actually the root problem is that once they were rejected, and so they're not going to be rejected again, so they act differently. Yet the slave driver's the same. I'm sure you will see. Now I'm saying this stuff, you're going to meet someone this week and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about you on Sunday. <laughs> but pray for them. Because God says, I will do it. And maybe God wants to do it through you and your prayers. Because Jesus came that you would be free. He didn't come that you'd live a life through the thought process of rejection. It's horrible. And it's a slave driver that gets in you. You're in the kingdom. Your eternity is set. But how about let's live the best life now? Do you see what I'm saying? Turn to the person next to you and say, be free. The second area I think many of us struggle with, um, and uh, interesting that Robin touched on what he touched on, I think it's a poverty mindset. I think so many people, either because of past experience in your home or your upbringing where there wasn't enough, it gets in your thinking. And you start thinking, oh, there's never been enough. And so for me, there will never be enough. And so when you have an opportunity to, to dream, when you have an opportunity to travel, when you have an opportunity to buy something, when you have an opportunity to be generous, you start thinking, oh, I can't do that because there's never enough. And it's a slave driver in your mind that's saying, oh, be careful, be careful. Oh, I've got an opportunity to give to someone here. I could really help them out. Oh, no, what, what? And the, the reality is there's a fear in you that's saying, if I give what I've got away, I'll never get it back again. And it's driving you. And it's a poverty mindset that says there'll never be enough. You, you go to the, the restaurant and you're taking your loved one out and you're secretly looking at what's the cheapest option. <coughs> and all the men are out there looking at the, the lady picking the most expensive option. You're like, oh! <laughs> but it's a poverty mindset. Because you know what? If you're in tune with God, you can afford it. My God owns the thousand cows on all the hills. My God doesn't need our money. He owns everything. And he says he will supply according to his riches so you could be free. When you're positioned in a kingdom where God is king, he has more than enough. But the reality is we're positioned in a kingdom where God is king, but we don't think like he's king. We think like my experience has done this to me. And so I now need to be careful. And you end up in this poverty mindset and it is crippling people. All through God's word, it's so interesting what Robin said as he was just sharing then. That Jesus spoke so much about money because he knew money would be an issue. And Jesus' thought process always is this. Give and it will be given to you. Be generous on every occasion. You know, let it come out of you. Because as it comes out of you, you're creating space. And who knows, God is the God who fills space. When you're keeping your little minuscule bit of money that you're clinging on to, you're giving God no space to work with, but you've got your five pounds and I can keep it. Or you could give your five pounds away and go, God. And he'll say, ah, I'll give you a tenner. Oh, I've got a tenner, I've got a tenner. Give your tenner away. God, I'll give you 50. Because he's got more than enough. He's not going to run out for you. But we live in this poverty mindset and it's affecting our generosity. Wouldn't it be great to go out sometime with a table of 10 and go, guys, I just want to bless you. I'm going to buy this. Some people be freaking out. 10 people, you're just, oh my God, can afford it. 
Because if I've got a heart of Jesus which wants to bless people, it will provide for me. And it's not to sort of, within that, have faith. Within that, be close to Jesus. Don't be stupid. I am not saying, Pastor Barry said, be generous. I'm going to give every penny of my manco away to the poor. And then you come in, oh, absolutely skint, Barry. You stitched me right up. <laughs> and no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying let a heart of generosity stir in you. Let a heart of faith stir in you. But also let there be a heart of wisdom in there too. But the trouble is, wisdom so often overrides all of it that you become poverty mindset. Oh, if I give that away. Allow God some room to manoeuvre because he is the God of more than enough. I love it here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. I love this. This is the prophet Nathan speaking to David. This is where David has just slept with Bathsheba and completely let himself down. And the prophet Nathan comes in to read him his story, basically. You know you've had a stinker when you're trying to hide something and the prophet turns up. Then Nathan said to David, you're the man. He, he described this awful man. You're the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king of Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. Now, this is the king of the kingdom. This is your king. And if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. That's the king of the kingdom. I gave you everything you've got. Why over and above anything you could have dreamed of? And yet you still had to take someone else's. And he said, if it hadn't been enough, I would have given you more. I wonder where we sit, church. What could the God of more do to shift your poverty mindset? Because wherever you're living, and we all live at different spaces, God has got more. But he wants people to not have that slave driver of poverty driving them. I'm in the kingdom. I'm going to heaven. But I've got to be so careful. And, oh, my family's always been skint. And, oh, I, I can't even dream about going on that international trip. I'd love to do that because I've, oh, I wouldn't be able to afford it. Yes, you will. God's put a dream in your heart. Start taking some steps of faith. My encouragement to you is take one step away from where you've lived and then take another step away from where you live and then take another step because he is the God of more than enough and is the king of your kingdom. The final area I just briefly wanted to touch on is the area of addictions. And addictions is a horrible thing. It's very prevalent in our world, isn't it? And we could see how that would classically be a slave driver. It's that whole idea where anything you do and you keep doing but you don't want to an addiction. And it's not, there's the obvious things, drugs, drink, the obvious things, overeating, being lustful, huge issue in our world today with the internet and men and women making themselves readily available. Oh, I don't want to live like that, I don't want to live like that. And then you get in the wrong environment and you start living like that again. It's a slave driver saying, oh, one more time, one more, it's okay, one more time. It's not okay. We are set apart for a purpose, to live for the king. He calls us to holiness. Now, there's no judgment anywhere in our church, no judgment at all. But there is this heart to say, come on, be the best version of you. There is this heart to say, honor Jesus. Because when you allow the king of the kingdom to be your thought process, every area of your life goes better, including your sex life, your marriage, all the things you're hoping for will go better when you honor the king. Because he always wanted that thing in the first place. Addictions are ruining people's lives. It's experiencing darkness when you're actually living in the light. 
And God says, I will set you free because he loves you. The cup of deliverance isn't a one-off event. It's a reminder of the journey into freedom. And I think one of the strengths of being in a church is the strength of accountability. That idea that we can do this together. You know, you look at some of those areas I've just talked about, and we might be touched by them. It's just like, well, I've pushed and I've pushed and I've pushed. But when you invite someone else in, you know, one can see off a 1,000, but two can see off 10,000. There's power in doing this thing together. One of the issues, I think, why we don't do it with someone else is because we're embarrassed. But there's no embarrassment here in church. Literally everyone has got their issues. Put your hand up if you've got no issue in your life. There you go. That's an easy one. <laughs> Everyone's got issues. But if you are willing to say, oh, this is one area of my life, I've been battling with it, and I'm, oh, I want to do the right things of God, but there's something else working in me. The cup of deliverance is for you. But the cup of deliverance works best when we share it. And so we can get together in church, or you can get together with someone you love and you care for. And we need to have integrity. And we need to have you know, strategic conversations. It's not everyone's business, your business. But together, we can get ourselves free with God in the middle of it all so that you can be free. Don't let pride and fear of embarrassment be the thing that stops your freedom because everyone's got their stuff. Don't think it's just you. Everyone's got it. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why? Because God says, I will set you free. And there's power in that, but he works through the church. I want to unpack this just word sin a little bit because it's a word that, not a popular word nowadays. It's one of those things, oh, I'm a dirty sinner. Sin means missing the mark. That's what it means. So often we're thinking, oh, you know, this word sin, but... How many of us miss the mark? I do. The Bible's word for that is sin. But Jesus says, my blood covers your sin. So I'm sanctified. I'll probably miss the mark tomorrow. Don't tell me no one here is going to think, not think something wrong tomorrow. Not say something wrong tomorrow. Not react in a wrong way. We just do. And it's missing the mark. But Jesus says, I've covered that. But when you keep missing the mark in the same area, it becomes a slave driver for you. And so we are encouraged in James here to go to someone and say, I keep missing it. I, I want to do better here. Will you stand with me? And it's not about fear or embarrassment or judgment. There is no judgment here. It's about, come on, let's help you to win. Let's see your life go to another level. Let's do this together because I want to drink the cup of deliverance and be set free so that I can enjoy the promises of God over my life. I'm sanctified, I'm out of one kingdom, I'm in another. My eternity is set, but now within that I am being set free from the things that have affected my life and stopped the fullness coming. The same is true for you. Jesus' heart for you today has always been to live the fullest life. And it's these areas that are affecting it. And at some point, and I'm praying and cheering you on, that today will be the day where you say, I'm getting a grip. I'm making a choice. I'm going to speak to someone. I'm having a drink of that cup of deliverance. I'm getting free from my stuff. It's not going to drive me anymore because I want to live free. You can choose not to. And Jesus will love you. I will love you. Everyone else in the room will love you. But your life experience will be dictated by the things holding you. And I don't want that for you. 
I want you to say, that deliverance cup, I'll have a cup of that. And I'm going to be free. Can you see the message? Would you let me pray for you? Do you want to stand up? The way I like to do this, and there's no rules here, but I find it helpful if you just wouldn't mind closing your eyes. It just gives the person next to you a bit of privacy. It allows you to focus. But again, if you don't want to, that's totally cool. But let's just have a moment. Let's have a moment standing in the presence of the King of the Kingdom. The one who says, I will. I will bring you out. I will set you free. I will. Lord, we just invite you right now just to come and search our hearts, just to move across this building and get personal with us. Everyone here unique, everyone here brilliant, everyone here different, everyone with their own set of circumstances, history and struggles. But nothing's too big for you. Nothing's impossible for you. So we invite you in. everywhere I close I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who feels like I need to connect with the king of this kingdom I want to be sure I'm living in the right kingdom I want to make sure Jesus is king of my heart and that I'm covered by his blood I want to be set up for this full life maybe you're someone who's never encountered Jesus or committed to Jesus maybe you're someone who drifted away from Jesus But this is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I want to connect with you. So with every eye closed, if that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Barry, I want to connect with the King of the Kingdom. Come on, let's let's do that that first. Give me a wave, that's you today. God bless you there. God bless you there. God bless you there. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Can't see all the way at the back. Give me a big wave, that's you. Don't miss your moment. Let's get the King of the Kingdom king of our lives thank you Jesus okay there's three or four people responding the way I like to do this I'll pray a line and then all of us together will pray the line all of heaven this great cloud of witnesses is cheering these guys on as they get right with Jesus death passes over let's pray Father God thank you that you love me today I invite you to live in my heart and to be my king. Thank you that I'm forgiven of all of my past and today's a new day. I move forward with you. Amen. Amen. So, so good. Just encourage anyone who raised their hands to pray that, just to seek someone out who's a... And just say, I've prayed that prayer today. It's important. It's life-changing. I encourage all of you, just as we're in this holy moment, that if you are relating to any of the things I've said today and you don't feel like you could just get through this on your own, and maybe you can, maybe you just need to make a choice, and that's cool. But if you're struggling with something and you need some help, partner up with someone. If you don't know anyone, come and find us and we'll set you up with someone. But maybe there's someone in your life you love and trust and you know that they love and, and trust you, that you could walk this out together. 
But I want to invite you today that if you're saying, Barry, I relate to that stuff. I want to be free. There's been a slave driver in my life. I know I'm in the kingdom, but I, I just know there's an area in my life I'm not living free. If that's you today, just raise your hand and we're going to pray together. I'm not going to call anyone forward. Bless you there, bless you there, bless you there. Uh, I believe it should be everyone in the building, actually. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see the hands and you see the hearts. I declare the freedom of Jesus over your church. Be free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't let any slavery have you anymore. Whatever you wrestle with, your starting point is victory because Jesus said it is finished. He's won. Let's appropriate his victory. Let me encourage you and stir your faith that you're a winner. So, Lord God, I just seal in all that you've done. Let us think more like you think. Let us experience life how you've always wanted us to. Let us be your church. Let joy and laughter be our hallmark. Let love be our hallmark. Let generosity be our hallmark. Let freedom be our hallmark. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Turn to three people and say, you're free.